0: You're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. Well, last weekend was monumental for me. Well, I think for all of us because it was our third annual live reading of MLK's letter from a Birmingham jail, followed by the MLK march, which was the next day, Monday which started at Pilgrim Rest Baptist Church and ended right here at Grace Lutheran in Margaret Hans Park. What makes last weekend so special was not only these events, but also being able to finally have dinner with someone I would consider to be one of our city's matriarchs, Linda Morris. Linda Morris is the outreach director at First Pentecostal Church and a trainer of trainers with the Harvest Foundation. She has been a part of the congregation for over 33 years and leads several initiatives to help the church embody a biblical worldview and reflect Jesus in word and deed. Year-round, Linda trains church members to move from a solely spiritual worldview to a biblical worldview that expresses God's full agenda and plan for his creation. I first saw Miss Linda on a Zoom Bible study hosted by Kit Danley and our friends from Neighborhood Ministries. The first time I saw her, I said to myself, I want to meet her. I want to get to know her, because her soft glow and deep wisdom reminded me so much of my late grandparents. Maybe this could be the start of a meaningful relationship, I thought to myself. Well, that was a year and a half ago, and we tried to get together a few times, but couldn't quite nail down an exact day. Also, there's been a whole panorama going on, and I think we can all agree that we desire to keep our elders as safe as possible. Well, somehow Kendall worked his magic and got us a date to have dinner with her and her husband on the evening of MLK Day. At first, I was a bit nervous and intimidated to be in the presence of someone who has been doing the work of Jesus in our city for over 30 years she and her husband, I think there's a picture of them, shared stories with us about their experiences during the civil rights movement. Difficulties they had finding places to live and work because of racial biases, and what it was like for them the day Dr. King was assassinated. What happened next, I cannot fully explain to you except to say that I was swept off my feet by the deep passion and love the Morrises carry for their family history and genealogy. For she said to us, Cain and Abel are prime examples of what is happening today. For Cain murdered Abel and then was silent about it. But Abel's blood cried out and the truth of what happened spoke from the soil, from the earth, and caught the divine ear of the one who was quiet enough to listen. Justice was brought to Abel even after his death because the creator is just and hears and sees all, and in the same way, the blood of native people and black slaves is crying out. (laughs) Miss Linda reminded me that in our fight for justice, it is not that they should give us equality, equal pay, equal housing, equal job opportunities, but it is that they must. For they owe it to us because our blood like Abel's is in the soil. The railroads, the coal mines, the cities, the crops, the cotton, the rice, the corn. Our blood produced all of it because in America there would be no land without the native people and there would be no functioning world without the forced labor of black slaves. So reclaiming your story, your history, your genealogy, devoting time to dig up the very stories America wants to cover up is like quieting ourselves enough to t- and tuning our divine ear to hear the stories that will actually liberate us. For we are a summation of the stories that come before us. I also find it interesting that it's not necessarily culturally popular to know about your family's history and stories. For black people, we know that most of us are descendants of slaves, but not many of us know where exactly we come from, what family owned us, or where we were originally from. When I tell you I was so inspired by this conversation with Miss Linda that I went home that night and stayed up till 3 a.m. on Ancestry.com and gathered what little information I could remember from my parents to begin my own journey of discovering my deep family history. While searching, I found out that my family runs deep in the soil of Yolabusha County in Mississippi as farmers and cotton pickers. I haven't confirmed it yet, but old census records give my grandmother the last name Carr, C-A-R-R, when she was just two years old. And I also found out that there were six family members that owned slaves in Yalabusha County with the last name Carr. How wild would it be to speak to one of the descendants of the slave owners, have a conversation with them, receive a public apology to our family, and receive reparations for the rest of our living days? Is it probable? I don't know. But a girl can dream, can't she? We need more people that can imagine a society restored, a society that is liberated and free, what some call prophetic imagination. For there is something in me that believes I can see restorative justice between slave owners and slaves and not just have a conversation, but actually make things right. There is something in me, probably divine, that believes my people can see justice. There is something in me, probably divine, that believes my people can sit at the table with the descendants of slaveholders and break bread with one another. Not on the basis of overlooked actions, not on the basis of comfortable, beat around the bush, I want to say it, but I don't want to make you uncomfortable type of truth-telling, but on the basis of truth, on the basis of acknowledgement. on the basis of shalom. And part of me believes that this is all my answers ever wanted all along. To be unbought, unpurchased, unwavered in the truth that dignity and identity come from God. And no form of oppressive white supremacy in this county or country can take that from them. There is liberation in genealogy, in history, in story. Our passage tonight is Luke 4, 14 through 21. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, and was as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the oppressed, for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was a liberator. This passage tells us that Jesus, too, went back to his roots. He went home to where he came from to declare his story and remind everyone of what his mission really was. He stood in a synagogue and used his voice to speak on who he was and who he had always been, voicing his mission, his purpose, his calling. The following is an excerpt from Michael K. Marsh, a priest from the Episcopal Church, written in his blog, Interrupting the Silence. He says... In today's gospel, Luke 4, 14 through 21, Jesus comes to Nazareth, the town where he grew up, to the synagogue where he worshiped, and to the people who know him. He reads from the prophet Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He says, those words describe the politics of Jesus. Good news to the poor, release to the captive, sight to the blind, letting the oppressed go free, and declaring God's favor are the building blocks of Jesus's politics, his political platform. They are not campaign promises, but a present reality, a reality made present in Jesus. Today, Jesus says, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Those words from Isaiah and Jesus' comment on them are the first recorded words of Jesus' public ministry. The words Jesus read from Isaiah are not an exact quotation of Isaiah. Jesus has intentionally and purposefully chosen and arranged particular portions of Isaiah's text to create a specific message. This message is often described as his inaugural address. Jesus is outlining his politics. He is describing the character of his ministry. He is establishing his priorities and the direction of his work. He is casting his vision for the recording of, for the reordering of relationships. Good news to the poor, release to the captive, sight to the blind, letting the oppressed go free declaring God's favor. From here on out, everything Jesus does will be grounded in a politics of good news, release, sight, freedom, and divine favor. His politics is revealed in healing the sick, casting out demons, forgiving sins, feeding the hungry, raising the dead. His politics stand at the center of and is is the content of his crucifixion and resurrection. So let me ask you this. How does the politics of Jesus compare with your own? How does it compare with our Republican, Democratic, and American politics? Good news to the poor, release to the captive, sight to the blind, letting the oppressed go free, declaring God's favor. If that's the politics of Jesus, and we claim to be disciples, followers, lovers of Jesus, doesn't it need to be our politics just as well? Jesus went home and quoted history, which inside of it was his story, his mission, and purpose. And those who stood near bore witness to a man who knew his story, spoke the truth, and lived out a liberating mission to be heaven on earth. This past Wednesday, Kendall and I went to a showing of a film called Shared Legacies, the African American Jewish, Jewish Civil Rights Alliance. In the film, an older man was told by someone else that they loved him, and he responded with, well, do you know what brings me the most amount of pain? And they replied, no. He responded back with, well, if you don't know what brings me pain, how can you say you love me? And I can say with great confidence that I have been told numerous of times that I am loved. But if we are not actively seeking to understand the black female experience in America, what it is like to be queer, what it is like to be an immigrant or a refugee, what it is like to go hungry or to be poor or to be without a home. And if we don't love people from that vantage point, then is it truly love? Jesus liberates and loves us from the vantage point of our lived experiences. And that is the invitation for us to join him in that love, in that mission. What Miss Linda Morris has done for me, that she does not yet even fully know, is introduce me to the liberation that lies deep in the roots of my genealogy. I come from a long line of enslavement, oppression, trauma, anguish and survival in the county of Yallabusha, Mississippi. But there is something in me that desires to, t- to keep digging into this truth because I know that the story doesn't end there. Because before my people were enslaved, they were once free. And my identity is not in being enslaved. My identity is in being a descendant of a free people, loved by God, children of God. And if you are descendants of slave owners, Remember who your people were before they owned slaves. They too were children of God, loved by God, equal with, not greater than, all of God's other children, and loved with a love that is at its core rooted in being an abolitionist, a liberator that desires that all people might experience love and freedom. But if we keep ignoring our stories, and if we keep ignoring the history, and if we surrender to America's desire to erase history, we miss out on the painfully difficult but necessary opportunity to liberate each other to who we once were. Children of God, loved by God, practicing the ways of Jesus together. While watching the film, Shared Legacies, that I mentioned earlier, I was introduced to, for the first time, I actually had never heard of him, an American Jew named Dr. Jaquim Prince. While serving as president of the American Jewish Congress, Dr. Prince represented the Jewish community as an organizer of the August 28, 1963 March on Washington. He came to the podium immediately following a stirring spiritual song by the folk singer Odetta, And just before Martin Luther King delivered his famous speech, I Have a Dream. I found this to be quite fascinating that this American Jew said these words just before Dr. King came up to speak on the March on Washington. Here is an excerpt. It is for these reasons that it is not merely sympathy and compassion for the black people of America that motivates us. It is above all and beyond all such sympathies and emotions, a sense of complete identification and solidarity born of our own painful historic experience. When I was the rabbi of the Jewish community in Berlin under the Hitler regime, I learned many things. The most important thing that I learned under those tragic circumstances was that bigotry and hatred are not the most urgent problem. The most urgent, the most disgraceful, the most shameful, and the most tragic problem is silence. A great people, which had created a great civilization, had become a nation of silent onlookers. They remained silent in the face of hate, in the face of brutality, and in the face of mass murder. America must not become a nation of onlookers. America must not remain silent not merely black America, but all of America. It must speak up and act. Jesus was an abolitionist. But what is an abolitionist? A person who favors the abolition or abolishment of a practice or institution, especially capital punishment or slavery. So in simple terms, an abolitionist is one who wants to abolish anything that oppresses people. If you are not an abolitionist, your silence in the presence of an oppressor is a whispered invitation back into enslavement. It is not too much to ask to be surrounded by abolitionists. It is not too much to ask to be surrounded by people who are for your freedom. It is not too much to ask to be surrounded by people who accept you fully as you are, who love you from the vantage point of your lived experience, who are for your peace and shalom and the peace and shalom of your city and the holistic health of your well-being. It is not too much to ask. In fact, I would argue it is necessary and it is biblical because Jesus was an abolitionist. Jesus is for your freedom. Jesus accepts you fully as you are and loves you from the vantage point of your lived experience. Jesus is for the peace and shalom of your city and the holistic health of your well-being. Jesus is and has always been for the freedom of all people. Jesus is and has always been for the equality of all people. Jesus is and has always been for the abolishment of anything that oppresses the marginalized under the power of empire. As the band comes up, I want us to just be still for a moment and let Jesus speak to our hearts, and then I'll lead us in a prayer practice together. to imagine being with Jesus. And as you're with Jesus, imagine that you are surrounded by myriads and myriads of books. So many books. And each book is a story of your history, your genealogy. Imagine Jesus reading with you stories of who you are and where you come from. Some of those stories are inspirational. Some of those stories are happy. Some of those stories are difficult and sad. But in every story, Jesus is present with you. In every word, in every memory, in every historical fact. Then Jesus pulls out a book about you and your life. What does Jesus want you to know about your life? As you continue to sit with Jesus, you see him turn the page and the page is blank, symbolic of this present moment and the rest of your days to come. What does Jesus want you to do? Just sit with him in this moment and let him speak to your heart. For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.